All right. Well, welcome to the latest episode of the gin and tonic sessions. No, they're not. They're the Gerda and Tess sessions, <laughs> the G&T sessions. <laughs> and happy 2020 to everybody who's listening to the podcast and everyone on Facebook and wherever else you're going to be viewing this. Could be YouTube. It could be LinkedIn. It could be Twitter. Who knows where you are, but wherever you are. Happy New Year. Gerda's well and truly put me to shame with her hat wearing today. I'm feeling very left out. Well, as I was saying, it's not that I'm particularly prepared. It's, it's things that you discover when you are organizing your house and decluttering. And this is actually from 20. I used this to usher in 2019 and repurposing it for 2020. Very good repurposing. That's very good repurposing. Uh, uh, people might not actually realize, Gerda and I, because we are so similar, uh, <laughs> to one another uh, we are both going through major life relocations at the moment so I am you can see the view from my apartment building in Melbourne behind me where I'm now living um, Gerda is in the middle of a major move as well she's not moving to Melbourne um, but uh, a major relocation and uh, so we are both in the throes of decluttering and all the reflection that comes with that because it's Kind of a fun process, but kind of like pulling teeth at the same time, right? It's amazing when you find cool hats. Like here's my Happy New Year hat. <laughs> find cool hats. But you also, you know, the whole thing of do I keep it? Do I throw it? Do I need it? What if I'm going to need it in a month's time? All that stuff, which we actually can do without. Yeah. Interesting that we both had are having our moves at the same time, right? Yeah. Interesting how those things happen when we are on such same wavelengths and I guess it, it's worked out well because when it gets so cold in Melbourne for you not that I think it will you're a tester mm. right mm. Uh, but still if the boys get sick of the cold you can come and visit me up in Agnes and if Agnes gets too hot for us we can come and visit you come and visit come and visit there you go. It's absolutely perfect. You can come and visit. Um, we've already identified that there are a couple of Air Airbnb apartments in this building, so I can I can even make sure you get nice accommodation. Come and stay. <laughs> There's your official invitation. All right. So today we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a few things. We've got a couple of things on our list of things that we wanted to talk about today. Do you want to run through that incredible list? Because you've got it written down because you're organised and I'm not. This is where we differ. <laughs> well, we take turns to be organised. <laughs> and I must say, I'm pretty impressed with us being here on the 1st of January, so early in the morning, um, speaking to our people and ushering in 2020 in the best way possible. So exactly right. Excited that it is uh, the ideal opportunity, of course, to have a bit of a reflection and also share with people watching and people listening some of the stuff that we've been up to. You know, uh, what we both do is share a lot of our journey with our people as part of breaking that isolation that we often do mm. as business owners. And we want to do that again today by sharing um, with people listening and watching, of course, um, our biggest challenge that we had mm. during 2019 because we still have lots of challenges, right? Um, mm. I think there's this expectation that when I get to a certain point, it's just going to be easy and, you know, it's just going to be so much better. But that's actually a myth. 
um, because if you are like us, what what do you do? You set new goals and new mm. stuff you're working towards, and every time you do that, there's going to be new mm. challenges. I think what becomes easier is the way you manage them and the way you cope and handle them because you feel yeah. that resilience really in terms of being in business. So we're going to share with uh, people our biggest challenge. We're also going to sh- share what we regard as our biggest achievement of 2019 yeah. and then mm-hmm. maybe one of our biggest plans that we have uh, marked out for ourselves for 2020. So who is yeah. interested in that? Hopefully a few. We've got Amber joined, Frank, Ash, Hannah, Emma. That's in our watch party in my group. Yay, we're going off in that. Thank you for joining, guys. That's wonderful. Good morning and Happy New Year to you all. And why are you all awake? Yes. <laughs> I know it's nearly 10.30, but seriously, it's New Year's Day. <laughs> I'm imagining a lot of people just lying in the bed. <laughs> and just going, what is these two girls up to now? Again? What are they up to now? What are they up to now? <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about challenges and achievements. We're also going to throw in there a little bit of discussion. Um, this is a, an idea that popped up. Um, Mark Drager and I, who do our um, podcast, we're catching up again soon. Um, and we kind of earmarked that we're going to do a whole podcast episode on biggest mistakes. We're going to sort of do a trade-off on the biggest mistakes, like our top 10 mistakes, and see where the commonalities fit because Mark and I are in different industries. Um, But I think Gerda and I might throw in one of our biggest failures in inverted commas. I'm a big fan of failure. I wish we had a different word for it. Stumbles, um, whatever you want to call it, because these are the greatest learning experiences. Um, We also thought we would talk about the, give a little bit of a warning around pegging too much significance to dates and time, time, time. Uh, And I'll explain what I mean later. But first, let's talk about celebrations. What's been your biggest achievement this year? Well, this past year, Gerda, 2019. What was it for you? Biggest achievement is... um Really what are you proudest of? Yeah. Being able to take such a humongous step closer to my perfect ideal day. Um, ah, it's a yeah. combination of personal and business. And it's the business that has allowed this personal thing to occur. So it was in 2014 when I, for the first time ever, wrote out my perfect ideal day. You know, what would that look like? Mm. And when I think mm. about it, that's like six years ago, I think. And it's been so solid. Like I, like I know what your perfect ideal day, I know how your perfect ideal day starts. And, and it's been so solid. Like as long as I've known you, that's not changed. And it's now, yes, I'll let you finish your own sentence. It, it has. I actually, when I reflected on it, that's something that popped up for me, that it has always been so clear for me in terms of what that looks like mm. and what that is. And, I, and, I, and I'm thinking that's a good thing because it means that my vision, I had that vision clarity of what it is that I want to do. And um, obviously, a, a big part of that is to live closer to the ocean. And that's mm. 
the achievement is having secured a block of land at a really good price and moving up to Agnes Border, where we're going to be like right at the ocean, but still have the forest at, the yeah. at our backs because my husband loves the forest and I'm a beach person. I look at mm. the ocean, I sit there the whole day, that's my happy place, just thinking, mm. enjoying, taking everything in. Um, and this is where we want to retire, right? This is this is such a significant move for us. And knowing mm. that which taking really for me, which is the biggest practical step towards that place. Um, and of course, you know, working in my business has allowed me to do that. But it's still taken me six years since I first yeah, yeah. on paper, right? Yeah. It's taken yeah. more than six years, really. I think it's always been I've known in my head what I wanted you know, for a very long time, but mm. I really made the decision to write it down so that I can mm. have it, so that I can look at it, so that I could reconnect with it on a regular basis, and then really start to consciously work towards it and use that as motivation when, when things get tough and when I'm making yep. hard decisions and all of that type of stuff to remind myself you know, what it is that I'm working towards. And that's just, you know, being able to have a place where I can be in my mm. place, where I can be inspired and have mm. that as a reward, right? So very excited. And, and I guess my point there is that it's, it, it, there's a lot of patience involved. I was going to say that, you know, people often are impatient in their goals. And I think that, you know, people, people will often think, well, you know, it's been three months. Why haven't I got? whatever the thing was that they were hoping for. Um, I did a post once on, I think it might've been on Twitter actually. Um, and it was just, you know, how did I, you know, how did I achieve a six figure mentoring business in 12, in the space of 12 months? How did I actually achieve that? Well, it was 20 years as a psychologist and, and, you know, 20 years of business ownership and all of the training, 10 years of training and all of the stuff and all of the stuff and all of the stuff and all of the stuff. So it was actually, you know, 20 plus years, not to mention all the business experience I had prior to being a psychologist that led to this point of me achieving, you know, the goal for this, for the, the initial goals anyway, for this business. Um, people think that, you know, suddenly things happen and aren't you lucky? And I'm talking about you as well. You know, aren't you lucky? You've got this thing that's just fallen in your lap. It's like, well, actually, it's been a really long game. And you're, you're very um, consistent in that message of playing the long game and, and, and it takes patience and persistence and consistency. I think we use those words a lot. We each use those words a lot. Consistency, persistence, tenacity. You know, those words are really, they're more than just, buzzwords they actually mean something and you actually have to subscribe to them they need to be tattooed on your forehead almost you know they really are important mm. Mm. Yes, because it's, it's that you know we all know that the picture of the iceberg right people see the little visible part and you don't see yeah it's so yeah. pretty but even though people have seen that photo a hundred thousand times they still don't get it when they need to apply it when they judge yeah. their own performance their own progress and then they compare yeah. other people mm. you know, and that's a big trap that that we can mm. very easily fall into and every now and then i need to pull myself up on stuff like that as well um and remind myself that we only get to see a little bit of that visible part we also only get to see what people choose to share with us 
terms of what their journey has been like. Mm. And I was certainly not there as yet. Right? I haven't mm. we haven't even approved the designs to build this house. We're going to be renting it properly uh, from what mm. I could see currently a very old house, you know, because mm. that's what's available on the market. We're going to be renting for, for quite a number of uh, months, going through the whole build, but it's a process and it's also about trust. Yeah. The process, yeah. enjoying the process, knowing you know mm. what resilience it might take um, to go through that, what the challenges are going to mm. be in order to get to that goal at the end of the day, which just makes it so much mm. more worthwhile. But I think another important learning here is is to when you have a big goal like this, and there's such a I guess a reality gap to use that at uh, Russ Harris's word in terms of mm. the reality gap between where I am now and where I want to get to. It's about acknowledging the steps that you do take along the way and really celebrating that, that I'm not there yet, but I've taken one humongous step towards getting to what yep. I want to do. So good yeah. job me. Okay. Yeah, good job you. I'm going to get there at the end of the day. And I, and I yeah. think it's okay to congratulate yourself when you've achieved stuff because we, we, we get yeah so reliant on wanting to get positive feedback from other people right and it's really important for us to tell ourselves good job you right because yes my, my goal was and i know how how big this step is forward and to really so mm. yeah i think that's exactly right we don't do enough of that i think the other thing i wanted to mention though is uh, you know <laughs> You know how I feel about the whole manifestation thing. Um, and I want to make it really clear that, you know, what I've observed in you is not, I'm going to manifest this thing. You know, you do a lot of journaling and you, and that helps you clarify your vision. But what I see, and we are again, very similar in this. What I see is a big picture vision. And for you, it's the house by the ocean. Um, it's a big picture vision. And then that informs every single strategic decision you make along the way it's not some magical universal influence it's strategic decisions made on a daily basis and and i think that's possibly the missing piece of um acquired wisdom if you like that that when people are frustrated with their goals that might be the bit that they're not realizing that there are those strategic decisions that you make and not acknowledging them not acknowledging you're already doing it so you're already you know it, all of us you're already making decisions every day that speak to your bigger picture goals and you're right you know taking a moment to step back and go well done me look at the decisions I've made so far look at the decisions I've made since I don't know six months ago when I decided to open my first business you know if that's just the situation you're in Look at all the courage you've already demonstrated. Look at all the work you've already put in. Look at all the training you've done, the people you've already helped, all of that stuff. It's really, really important to acknowledge that because that then feeds the capacity for patience and consistency and persistence. It allows you to keep going. It's my, it's my two cents. 100% of what spoken. And you know that whole process, you need to do that in your life in general, you know, the big picture, mm. And in your business, when you plan it out, hmm. right? in terms of going on to yeah. my goals, what's my five-year goals, what's my 10-year plan, right? And having yeah. that, and then knowing every day when you pick up and you do what needs to be done, it's 
mm-hmm. not just on the hamster wheel. It's in line with what it is that you mm-hmm. achieve, right? Yeah. And, uh, yes, action, very, very important. It's not something magical that happens. The magic comes once you've taken the required action to work towards mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's the magic. That is the secret sauce. You know, it is about taking the action and, and converting any ideas in, that you've got into something actionable and then not waiting for the right moment or the right circumstances or the right weather. Do the damn thing. Even if you're not going to do it perfectly, do it. Do it today. If you've got an idea, I think, I, I think I'd think i love to do a live stream. I've never done one before. Do it now. Like, don't even hesitate. Just convert that into action. Talk about how you've got this idea that you'd like to do live streaming on a regular basis. That can be your first live stream. How cool is that? You know, it's easy. Just take action. So I think um, just reflecting on what you're saying, you know, it reminds me of what I'm proudest of this year. And um, when I very first converted my solo practice into a group practice, I had um, I had one baby and not long after I had another. And my thinking at the time that I converted my business into a group private practice was I'd really love to have this practice run whether I'm here or not, if I'm on maternity leave or not. And so that has always been the mission for my practice. And I think there have been many challenges along the way, you know, 10 years of group practice ownership, many, many challenges along the way. And this particular past year has, I would say, the number one thing that I'm most proud of is the team culture that has it's almost like, you know, the growth that happens after a fire. Um, you know, we see the devastating bushfires around Australia at the moment and, and they're awful and they're horrific and they're, they're terrifying. We have moments like that in business. When those fires are gone, eventually there'll be regrowth in those communities, both in nature and in the communities themselves. Businesses are kind of like that. And that's been what this past year has been like for my business, is this period of regrowth and not getting bigger but getting stronger and um, the thing I am most proud of is the culture that has come so that my team now functions consistently and confidently whether I'm there or not. I've always wanted, I've always had this feeling that if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I don't want people to have to lose their jobs. And that's kind of the responsibility I have. If I disappear in a puff of smoke tomorrow, I want, to, I want to know that those, those, the practice continues clients still get seen people still get have their jobs and onwards it continues to go and we are now at that point and I feel you know so very proud of the team that I have now they're just ready to fly to the next level of what they want to do in their own careers and and within my practice and beyond you know it's very very exciting times so you know I don't think I'd really join the dots about how that how this year's achievement in that regard actually relates to the very first goal I had for the very reason I set up a group practice in the first place. So there you go. You've helped me this morning, Gerda. I've joined some dots. Thanks very much. <laughs> I'm so happy to be <laughs> Such a good mentor. <laughs> I, I love and, and what I was from that, it's not always about big us, you know, getting strong. Yes. Um, and getting consolidated. Mm. Very, very important. I think it's important always, really. Yeah. 
especially yeah. change, especially after you've had significant growth. Um, that's when it becomes so much more important because once you then get to that level, growing from there, you can do that really exponentially so much easier because you yeah. have that skin for adventure and being able yeah. to do that with your team and culture I mean every practice woman out there knows how important that is every business yeah. knows how important that is. absolutely and, and absolutely uh, the proof is in the pudding and you are in Melbourne your practice is in Tassie and being able to mm. do that even from afar right because you've yeah. traveled a lot and all of that stuff that's absolutely mm. important to change mm. and that is testament to how strong that is the team mm. There's been a lot of trust developed. I think, you know, again, using the bushfire analogy, when a, when a community rallies together to support one another, and, and we see that at the moment with the volunteer firefighters and, you know, them missing out on Christmas and New Year's with their families because they're, they're supporting their communities. And I think in a business, when you go through a trial by fire and in inverted commas in your business, um, one of two things will happen. It'll completely crush you and destroy you and, and leave you bleeding and battered on the ground. And that nearly happened a couple of times, actually. That nearly happened in my business. Or you'll have a moment of realisation. And, and what, what I was very lucky, and I shouldn't use the word lucky because I think this is the culmination of a number of things, but very fortunate to have a crisis point pop up more recently in my practice that was preceded by communication. And that was the first time that people felt confident enough, brave enough, that we had rallied together as a team enough that people brought the crisis to me that they could see brewing. And we averted that, you know, we avoided that crisis. We managed to, um, you know, make some changes that, improve the situation for the team. The team felt validated and heard and and that's further strengthened the, this feeling of trust and confidence and um, unity, I guess, within the team. It's not a perfect team. We've got teams split across opposite ends of Tasmania um, and that's a real challenge geographically to keep a sense of unity across those two locations. Um, we do what we can and we could always do it better. Um, but just that one moment of, of knowing that people were willing to talk to me. In addition to that and related to that, you know, some people left my team to start their own practices at the end of 2019. And they were people who'd been with me for quite some time and they came to me months and months before they left and said, this is what I want to achieve for 2020. I want to go and open my own practice. This is how I want to do it. Um, how can we work together to make sure that it's a smooth transition? And that's what we affected, a smooth, supported, excited transition for them as well as, you know, and, and it was no trauma for our clients or our admin staff to transition those people out because the, the trust was there that they could communicate their intentions. And those are the things that I think it's taken 10 years of group practice ownership to achieve. You know, that's the stuff that I'm thinking, wow, it's not about having the biggest practice. It's not about any of that stuff. It's actually about having that level of faith and trust that I've hopefully earned 
over the past 10 years. You know, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. And it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, we always, we, we, we will talk a lot about, you know, businesses, businesses about relationships. Um, and I think, you know, when you, when you work in any business where your team are, your team members are learning from you, they may have an entrepreneurial spirit of their own. They will eventually want to open their own business. I would say in, especially in our sector, 70%, 80% of our team members will want to do that at some stage. And it's about, um, you know, that can be a painful realisation or it can be a supportive realisation, but you have to make that realisation one way or another. You have to get there. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. It's going to happen. Mm. You're going to hire for people that values align, that has similar mm. values, which you want to do, right? Because you want to have mm. fun. I want to enjoy working with people, right? Yeah. But if you do that and you're hiring people that's very similar to yourself, you can't blame them for having an entrepreneurial spirit and for wanting no. more and for contributing more. So you either need to make sure you can offer that within your own practice or you need to be okay with saying, you know what, I'm going to have them for a small little chapter in their lives and for a season they're going to be with my practice and it's okay then them to move on from here and if I can support them doing that do that in the right way do it in a successful way where they can serve people right the mm. of their community then I want to be mm. part of that as well so most absolutely yeah absolutely that's exactly right that's so true and finding ways creatively to do that to meet those needs um, but ultimately you know some people will want autonomy and you know, complete autonomy is hard to have in someone else's business. So eventually there comes a time. Um, I've had people in the past who've left my business when they had been with me since they were students and they'd been with me for nine years or something like that. And it was well and truly time for them to go and explore other territories. You know, I don't begrudge people that either. So I think, you know, growth is for everybody. It's not just for the business owner. It's not just for the business itself. It's for your team. You have to embrace that too, that your team should be allowed to grow. And sometimes that means they grow away from you and that's okay. It's what it is. Hmm. Wow, All right. What, we've gotten deep. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's why we can so deep. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, now, what was our next thing on our list? Was um, was it challenges or what? challenges? Big challenges. Hmm. Are you going first? Yes. I think you should go first. <laughs> What's your biggest challenge? What's your biggest challenge of 2019? Are we specific to 2019? Uh, well, for me, I'm going to do that. Because, and, and it was a financial mm. challenge for me. Um, yes, sure. First, I had to. I had the challenge of having to acknowledge to myself at the start of 2019 that your psych online was not the roaring success that I initially planned it to be when I founded it back in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Was very, I was very early to telepsychology and telehealth. It's like brainer mm. to me that it should happen but the market wasn't ready for it just yet, right? Yeah. So I started it, put so much 
much stuff in advice and then it just was there in the background as I built this thing called Private Practice Success Australia, mm-hmm. uh, which is my day job uh, these days. And <laughs> this year, I just went and yeah. already, uh, the month yeah. is free and I need, to, I need to redo this. It wasn't a failure. It's still there. There's a lot of stuff in place, but I, I wanted to relaunch it. And that's when I made that decision to relaunch yourcyclingline.com, but rebrand it source help right um but i wanted to do it really well um because a lot of players of course was coming to the marketplace and you know there was so much back-end work that has gone into this in terms of research what's aligned you know in terms of values in in terms of aligned with the vision for it who's going to be our ideal market all of that type of stuff and really doing it um, this way has uh, placed a significant financial burden on myself because mm. I'm stubborn and I didn't want to take out a loan or a credit or something like that. <laughs> Although that's possible, yeah. to do that for business, right? But I am a bit stubborn and I'm one of those people that like to put pressure on myself. <laughs> I, I do that. But so basically, I. <laughs> Um, source health and, and a significant yep. amount of background stuff like privacy policies for the website, um, contracts for the clinicians, which is completely different to my private practice, uh, practice contracts, which is a different yep. So I couldn't use my independent contractor agreement. So basically just all that paperwork cost me like $13,000, uh, you know, uh, a, a purposeful website with purposeful, um, you know, booking. Mm delivery stuff like thousands and thousands of dollars um, and I had to cover all of that from my earnings in PPS right <laughs> mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yes I know that feeling <laughs> there was a, a lot of financial pressure on me this mm. of really turning around every dollar right mm. and mm. I get um, as much mileage out of money I was earning um, which was a main, but I couldn't just like take it easy, right? I had to stay on the ball, make sure that I sold programs and stuff so I could use those funds really to put into source mm. health and really to make that the business that I intended to be. And, you know, the big vision for that is really to support uh, people in rural, regional, and remote mm. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. What we do right now, and it's like, oh, it's not ready yet, right? I need to do this faster, and it's taken so much longer than I expected it would. Um, mm. And I had to employ so much patience because it's not bringing in any money as as yet. And I started mm. in February this year, so it will be a year, twelve months from restarting this whole process. And I guess in terms of the challenge. It was just the financial pressure that it has mm. put on me. But, you know, financial pressure isn't new to me. Starting a yeah. Budget, yeah. budget, every time you expand, this happens, right? Mm. You go from your one-person room to then your three-office room, there's financial pressure. And then to a four- or five-office room, there's financial pressure. Starting a second location, there's financial pressure. Taking on your first employee or contractor, there's financial pressure. Yeah. I'm yep. grateful that 
all the past experiences has helped me now, but it's still tough, you know, because if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. And yep. really resourceful in terms of saying, I really want to make this happen, this thing called cool health. Right? How do I? What do I need to do to really earn that money to pay for that mm. stuff? While still paying myself, paying my PA, you know uh, that type of stuff. Paying all my bills. I do have bills. It's very yeah. yeah. Running especially live events. Right? I'm sure yes. you can do that. Yes. Realize <laughs> yes. how expensive it is until you do it. Like just the catering mm. get it done cost me like almost ten thousand dollars every time. Just the catering bill. It's like just great. Um, So just having to, again, be in that space and pressure, right? It's it's just that constant pressure of, okay, you know, I need to keep my eyes on the numbers. I need to keep my eyes on the numbers. I need to make sure that there's money flowing in. And then not being really, I guess, able to see the reward for my PPS work because Mm. like you're doing all this work, this delivery, but your bank account ain't growing, right? Because you're putting all this yes. money into something else, which is yes. and you know it's an investment and you know you're going to help so many people, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I know this feeling. And I think that um, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, um, walking your talk too, that you're starting this new business and you've got you know, fresh experience of that startup phase. Um, you know, I think of myself 12 months ago being in that startup phase with what I'm doing now as well. And um, y- y- it's painful and it's exciting and it's terrifying and it's all of those things that, you know, our mentoring clients you know, experience on a day-to-day level. But you'll get there because you are stubborn and tenacious and courageous and consistent and persistent and unrelenting and all of those things that uh, a good entrepreneur should be, which is very cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm hanging on to launch day, right? That's my mm. most launch day where I can actually go, yes, we are live. Yes, we can start doing this thing. We can get clinicians on board so we can start helping clients, right? And I actually have yeah, my yeah. the pipeline. One of my psych professionals clinicians is moving away to Toowoomba. She's going to be a mm. health clinician. Um, there you so go. I'm very, very excited about all of that. That is super exciting. That is super exciting. I love that. I really do love that. Um, I mean, as you, as you know, I mean, there's a, a big component of my practice that has been involved in um, telehealth and it is a challenge to get, to get it um, accepted by communities. But because you've got such good background experience and skills around marketing, that's half the battle won. You know, once you're ready to launch and getting that message out there and messaging it beautifully, which I know you will, people will know that it exists and then they'll know how it can help them and then it'll be a no-brainer for them to take it up. So it'll be very successful. Thank you for believing. <laughs> of course, I always believe in you. <laughs> All right, so my challenge, I think my challenge this year was very, actually very similar So in terms of a financial challenge. So um, as you know, Christmas 2018 or the second half of 2018 was a very difficult time in my practice's life. Uh, We lost 
at least half of our team members, we lost 60% of our revenue stream through, um, a, you know, a new practice opened and um, I lost a lot of long-term team members uh, who went and joined this other new practice. And um, on an individual, as I was saying before, on an individual basis, each one of those clinicians was ready for a move and ready for a change and I couldn't not celebrate that in them but was left with the consequences and the fallout now luckily i had started my mentoring business um i I think if i hadn't we may have been in a very different situation having a very different conversation today Um, but like you the past 12 months has been you know the mentoring side of things acting as a buffer while we went through that regrowth phase and And in fact, sitting with my accountant and talking about that journey and the rebuild financially and actually celebrating how, you know, the practice is actually looking after itself. It is paying its own bills and it's, and it's survived. So for 12 months of intense, like you, intense hard work, hard graft, that hustle and grind that people talk about, Um, making sure that there was enough additional revenue coming from me to make that transition happen uh, was a huge challenge. And, um, but these are things you learn from, you know, you realize that every time you think it's difficult, you look back to the previous difficult time and you realize this isn't as difficult as that time. So I had had staffing crises, a major staffing crisis in the past, a few years ago, um, that time in my Launceston team. And at that stage, you know, in that, in that challenge, I was waking up with chest pain. Like I was incredibly stressed and we had just signed a massive contract and I all of a sudden had no one to deliver on that contract. Um, so when I look at this, this past challenge and surviving that surviving having uh the bulk of my team walk out the door um and resisting resisting all the panicky things that i might have done earlier so not hiring out of desperation um someone wanted to join my team they were so excited to join my team they went off and got themselves a provider number before i'd even interviewed them um and when i interviewed them it wasn't the right fit. Great clinician, lovely person, but not the right fit for the team and the culture that we were left as. Um, and I had to say no to her. Um, you know, making difficult decisions like that in a time of crisis is very, very hard, but you really do need to learn where your um, boundaries are as a business owner and stick to those boundaries, especially in the difficult times. Otherwise, you just bring more trouble you don't bring solutions, you bring more problems. And that's a real hard lesson to learn. So I think for us, you know, this is linked to what I'm most proud about, you know, the fact that we survived not only as a a business, but survived as a team culture that is now thriving. Because we all went through some difficult times together. We all stood together and stood firm. And we decided as a team on the kind of culture that we wanted and the kind of communication and openness that we wanted. 
but from a financial perspective, yeah, it was it was very very hard. Now this is probably um, the first Christmas that I can remember where I've not felt that I'm gasping for oxygen to make sure because we closed for two weeks over Christmas. Um, I've always stood by that, that we closed for two weeks over Christmas. I want to know that my team has a proper break over Christmas. Now that's a, that's a decision I make as a business owner, but it means there's two weeks of no revenue coming in. And that's a decision I make as a business owner. Um, and it's the first Christmas I've not actually been like, <laughs> is there, is there going to be, you know, is it going to be okay? Because we've had, you know, challenges every year and that's business. You do, you have different challenges every year, but this year financially we're now standing steady and strong and it's, um, yeah, in no small part because of the team that I've got, you know, the team that have you know, rallied and the decisions that we've made along the way together. Yeah. But it is frightening. It is frightening as a business owner and all business owners, whether you're a solopreneur or own a massive corporation, all business owners have these moments where they are gasping for oxygen because there's some kind of crisis or financial thing or some kind of challenge to their existence, to their business's existence. So, you know, we have them. Everybody has them. And it doesn't mean you're a bad business owner because you go through difficult times. Part of the cult, part of the part of the part of the game. I think, I think if you want to grow, you need to be uh, willing to invest, you know, money, mm. yep. and emotional yep. And but it's like anything. A lot of people can't do that because they're in their comfort zone. Mm. You do it, you know. Um, I wouldn't say it becomes it becomes easier, but it doesn't. The pressure is still. Yep. But you get better at dealing with it, right? Mm. And mm. I find I can I can take bigger risks as well because I can handle it better. And with bigger risks yeah. comes bigger rewards. Doesn't mean I, I I I love the process of the pressure. It's still a challenge, but I actually do love it as well because I do mm. like the process. I do and I don't, right? Um, but I love getting to that place mm. where. Yes, I did it. Right. I yeah. believe that I'm at my best when I struggle and when I have a challenge. That's when I'm at mm. my best personally. I've come to know myself, right? Throw mm. me a challenge. That's when I, yes, I might have my little pity party. Let's just acknowledge that for a second, right? But that's when yes. I yes. step up and go, okay, now the fighting spirit is coming through. What do I need to do? I'm going to win this. Mm -hmm. I will not mm -hmm. uh, back down. Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes, I guess, according to other people's judgment, I, I will lose, but never according to myself. Not if I've done everything. No. Right? And, and what's important mm -hmm. at the end of the day is how I judge myself. Um, that's that's mm -hmm. the thing that helps. You know, I need to be able to sleep at night and do all of that type of stuff. So, you know, and I love that. What, you know, the one mm -hmm. point that that I, that I picked up on uh, that I truly live my life um, uh, according to as well is, you know, I, and, and maybe this is not what you meant with it, but that's what I got from it. That's how I <laughs> sure. Is that I yeah. allow other people to have leverage over me in business, right? I do not allow that because that just means mm. that I don't have 
say over my business, right? For mm. example, you know, somebody already applied for the Biden number or feeling desperate, like, you know, I've got this contract, mm. now I must um, uh, uh, employ this person mm. or lose it. It's like, no, that person's not going to have leverage over me. Because that is when you yeah. make wrong business decisions, right? You need to acknowledge yeah. I feel this way, but I feel like mm. I don't have a choice, but I always have a choice. There's always yeah. It's about trusting yeah. you will always come up with the solution because I know you do. So I do. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I think I think you know entrepreneurs are you know by our very nature we're creative. You know, we, we, we take risks that other people might not take, we create solutions that other people might not think of, we tread on thinner ice than other people are prepared to tread on and sometimes that comes into conflict with other people's values in terms of they might not have the courage to make that decision and therefore it triggers them you know we, we've talked before about about you know con, um, criticism from others and judgment from others and all of that sort of stuff and that's just rife in any sector any profession um, when you do things that are a little bit outside the square and make decisions that other people might not make. So, for example, um, one of the major changes that we made was I made a very conscious decision to employ people rather than have um, independent contractors. We've still got one and soon to have a second um, independent contractors in my practice. Everyone else is employed. I also made the second decision I made, and this was very deliberate around team culture, uh, was minimum three days a week, um, preferably full-time or, or you know, average around four days because I wanted fewer people. We, at one point, we had 20 people on my team and, you know, it felt really good to know that I had such a big team, 20 people, that's massive. But many of them were doing like one or two days a week. It was a furphy. You know, it, was, it wasn't real. Um, so I'd much rather now, I mean, now you look at my website now and compare it to what it looked like, say, two years ago, and my team has, has shrunk significantly. But we've got the same clinical delivery capacity as we had back in those, uh, those older days. Just we've got few people, but there's fewer people, but they're spending more time on the ground delivering service. And that has been a massive contributor to the culture we have now. Um, not everybody makes those decisions. A lot of people are happy to say, oh, someone so-and-so can only do three hours um, on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, sure, come on board. Um, we've got someone joining our team in January who I am making massive exceptions to that rule for, for very, very valid reasons because of the long-standing relationship I have with that person and what they're bringing into the team. Um, it's a very specific scenario that particular um, person coming on board um, and you know and that's I'm allowed to do that I'm allowed to break my own rules um, but I won't break my rules on someone else's terms I break my rules because it's the right fit for the overall goal of the practice and that the person and their goals are the right fit for the overall goals of the practice so I think yes creative solutions it's, it's what I think a lot of business owners underestimate and are fearful of their own brave ideas and they shy away from them. Yeah, well, they ask, um, 
hundred people on Facebook what they think. Sometimes it's really and, and really trust yeah. that, right? Really trust mm -hmm. that you know what's best for your practice. Um, yes, get input and advice, but at the end of the day, it needs to be what you want. And know when you're comparing apples with oranges. If you're asking 50,000 people on Facebook what they think, are they all in the same situation as you? Do they all have the same experience as you? Do they all have the same business model as you? They Do they all have it? the same teams? Have they done it themselves at all? Yeah, all of that stuff. You know, if you're asking people's opinions, yeah, be really careful which ones you listen to because someone doesn't have to have trodden. Yeah, people, yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Yeah, right. Out of fear, responsibility, yeah. they haven't done it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And they wouldn't do it because they're too afraid of of what that looks like. Um, and I think um, that doesn't mean people have to have trodden the same path as you to be able to give you wise, sound advice. But you just need to be conscious of who you're listening to when you're listening to the advice of others. I think that's really important, especially when it's a scatterbomb approach, like in Facebook, on Facebook and things like that. It's really important. Mm. Mm. All right. What's next? What was our next thing on our list? What was our next thing? Oh. Can you guess mine? I think it involves the ocean and a house. And um, there's that. And, oh, yes, I can guess yours. Oh, I'm so excited for yours. I know exactly what yours is. <laughs> so most definitely, yes, it's all the personal stuff and the move and things, but from a business perspective, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm excited about, but um, in terms of my day job, Private Practice Success Australia, it is, of course, the inaugural Private Practice Success conference our very own conference for private practice owners private practice clinicians in our industry more so uh, you know practice owners solo or group and that is elevate 2023 Yay, exciting. it's so exciting i'm super excited because i know you've been talking about this for years i i, I seem to to have a memory of a sitting it was either by your pool or by a hotel pool, or in a bar. <laughs> but we were sitting somewhere <laughs> years ago, talking about your your dream of having this conference, and it's happening, and it's super duper exciting. It is ridiculously exciting. We're gonna. It's part of my overall vision of just uplifting our industry, really mm. giving us a voice, giving us you know a conference that is really targeted towards what it is that we need to know because let's mm. face it, there's so many clinical stuff right clinical conferences that are coming out of your ears at the end of the day you know people do a lot of people amazing people i know do like three times their clinical hours but we also need our business hours our business tactics, strategy, we absolutely mindset, do mindset you know people often think if i can Oh, if I can do my advanced schema therapy or if I can do this, that or the other, I'm just using examples, then mm. I can charge more, then I will have more clients, then, you know, it's like this, if I do this, then I can do that. It's like, yeah, this stuff's not going to build your business, right? It's not going no. to no. grow your reach, no. work on your business mindset, yeah. 
technical skills because that's why you need to be a television. I, I don't want to give our industry and our people any more excuses not to work on that stuff, right? Because mm. if you're now, I'm going to put together people like Tess and the best in the business, the best in our mm. industry to come and share with people what they know, what they've learned. To look after yourself as a business owner in terms of, you know, because that is really to some extent that's self care, right? You can either continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. I'm going to learn the stuff that I need to know so that I can be more resilient, know how to manage, deal with all of this stuff, make the right decisions. That's right. I think um, we've talked quite a lot about this sense of isolation that business owners feel. And for me, that's, that's probably my number one mission. If I put it into one concept is reducing that sense of isolation that business owners experience. And I think that the conference in itself, that's probably one of the main reasons I'm so excited about it. It's like this coming together of all of these people who we all feel like we know each other from an online perspective and so many of us have not met each other um, in the physical sense. And I'm really excited by that idea, this, this coming together of so many like-minded people from all over the place who, who will get an even bigger dose of that connection and that reduction in isolation and shared experience of the business ownership journey. It is super exciting. It is really, really exciting. I'm very excited. I totally do. I know. I know. I know. I know. It is. It's a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And again, it's something that, you know, it's a creative concept. You know, we've not seen something like this before in Australia. And, and um, you know, people are, you know, rightly excited by this. Well done, you. That's my biggest. Yeah, it's pretty big. That's pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big. Well, I have some very big plans for 2020. Uh, the first of which is on Monday when I turn 50. Very grown up. Halfway to 100. That's pretty cool. My great-grandmother lived till she was 100. She got a letter from the Queen and everything. So, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think I'll get a letter from the Queen because I don't think she'll still be around when I'm 100. Um, but I've got lots of exciting plans, nothing that I can kind of talk about yet. Um, I'd love to be able to talk about them, but I can't yet. Um, so they're all very, very exciting and very, very... I, I feel that 2020 is being met with a lot of positivity. I think I certainly am very excited about 2020. I think that a lot of the people that I'm talking with are very excited for 2020. Um, there are some mentoring clients of mine who are just like they've got springs, tightly coiled springs on the bottom of their feet and 2020 is going to show them how to just let them go so they can just... I can't wait to see that happen. Um, but I think um, it's going to be a really interesting year and I wish I could give you a more concrete answer. <laughs> You're just going to have to keep us hanging. Keep us hanging. I know. And people will have to know what 
watching the GMC show for when they will have to because there will be updates. There will be updates. One thing I I can say that I am I might have mentioned this last time. I know I've told you this already. Uh, I can say that I'm excited about is I am planning a workshop, a two day workshop, to be held at the Melbourne Zoo. And I'm so excited by that. I think that it's going to be such fun having a workshop at the zoo. Uh, one of their function rooms actually butts into um, one of the enclosures. So uh, we will have furry, furry attendees as well as furless attendees to my workshop. And I'm excited about that. When is that? What month? It was going to be February, but I'm thinking it will now be late March, but I just need to double check dates. Mm. I have to watch this space. Mm. Do we know yet what the topic is on? Yes, we do. So it's going to be an in-person version of the online program I ran last year, which was called Your Private Practice Checkup. And so it's a it's a, a program that gets you checking on all of the things, like all the pulse points in your practice. Um, whether you're looking at starting a private practice or already in private practice, it sort of meets both of those um, points. Um, it's going to run over two days. It was a six or seven week program online, but this will run over two days and it'll be on uh, weekdays so that some of the homework activities can actually be done during business hours because some of, some of the tasks require it to be business hours while you do your little homework activities you can go and look at the monkeys while you're doing all the elephants while you're doing your homework activities and then you can come back and, and report there's lots of secrets yes yes so weaving in the implementation so when it was an online program it was one week it was like a lecture a, a facebook live stream to the group of participants and the following week uh, and there was homework set and the following week was a zoom group call where we talked about how people what they got out of the previous week's session and, and what they achieved across the course of the week in terms of getting their homework done. So we'll weave that into the two-day program. I say we, me. I'm often using the royal we when I talk about myself. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be an interactive and implementation-focused program. Exciting. With monkeys. <laughs> Sometimes we need to... Just being, I don't want to use the word forced to do something, but it comes back to that, I'll do it when. I'll do it next week. Monday, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. or, um, I'll do it when I've got all these other little ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yes. Life is in the way. Life is in the way. The deadline is a nice, neat and tidy, and then you go to the life. Yeah. One, it's like, no, just do the damn thing. Just do the damn thing. So, you know, to give to give a little a little taster of one of the homework activities is actually one of my favourite things to do to my mentoring clients. Um, they hate it and then they love it. Uh, <laughs> is I set them the five dollar challenge, which is to be the five dollars most expensive in their region. And so they have to do a little bit of homework and discover what the going fees actually are in their community and then set themselves new fees, $5 most expensive. So it's not, you know, it's not about being ridiculous in, in fee increases, but it's about breaking that barrier 
that belief around I can't possibly charge more than Joe Blow down the road. Of course you can. And as soon as Joe Blow knows that you're charging more, they'll put their fees up too. The sky won't fall in. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's a great exercise. Absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree. And people overestimate the number of people in their community who are charging the same as they are or less. And they underestimate just what people are willing to pay for a good quality service or a good quality product if it's a product-based business. But we're talking about service-based industries here. Um, really good example of that is a rural GP practice in Tasmania that is a husband and wife team, the only GPs in town. Um, they have uh, been there for years now. When they took over that practice, they took over from a bulk billing medical practice and they put the word out to the community, we will not survive in this community if we have to bulk bill. We can't afford it as a family. We can't afford it as a business. So they were quite savvy right from the word go. And they said, we will not be bulk billing. Um, I don't know if they have exceptions to that rule. That probably doesn't matter. But they, they put the word out. Yes, people jumped up and down. Oh, we're not used to this. But then they got over it. And that practice is still surviving years later because they made a very wise business decision right at the beginning, set the boundaries and stuck to it. And the community coped. The community coped. You know, they pay and they claim their rebates from Medicare. So people underestimate. I mean, I've got client, other mentoring clients in very small rural communities who are charging more than people in the centre of Melbourne and they've still got wait lists a mile long and they're having to employ people to meet the shortfall uh, or the overflow, I should say. Um, people underestimate what value they offer and how much their communities will, will value, will see that value and, and respond accordingly and pay appropriately for that service. So that's why I love that challenge. And that, that, I absolutely love that challenge because it really does confront a lot of those assumptions that people make. Um, but like you say, you know, we were talking before about this thing about significant dates and you know, people put things off. People put things off. Oh, I, I'm going to do that on the 1st of July. I was like, well, why not the next time the phone rings tell somebody what your new fee is? Because that new person won't know what your fee was five minutes ago. It doesn't have to be a significant date. <laughs> So there's been some stuff on social media, which I've quite liked. There've been a few people posting around, you know, you don't need it to be the 1st of January to set yourself some goals. You don't need it to be the 1st of January or the start of a new decade to have some plans. You can start that today. Well, today is the 1st of January, but whatever day, you can start it today. You can, you can put some action behind the idea. You can just get your bum moving today, whatever day it is, stop waiting for significant dates or significant events or significant weather or significant others to be the stars to be aligned in the right order that don't stop that stop it 
That's my rant. Stop it now. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. Maybe one last piece on what you just said about the fee increases and stuff. I think a big barrier often for potential practice owners is they are scared of when clients or the community or their team very often is going to jump team. Right? And I think yeah. me as a psychologist, I go, well, it's normal for people to have a reaction to change, right? So don't yes. expect them to just go, it's fine. A lot of people will just go, fine, you work it, perfect, you know, all good. You know, but yeah. I also, you have to expect some type of resistance, mm. right? Mm. Uh, anything mm. worth doing will conjure up some resistance by some people. So don't be scared yeah. by it. Expect it and be ready for mm. it. Be ready to mm. deal with it and to tolerate it and help with And then very often people tell me it's their team, right? Their team, yeah. Is, yeah. they know they need to increase their fees, but their team don't want to. It's like, you know, it's not your job to manage their emotions for them. Uh, you know, you can help them through it. You can explain to them. Yeah them why it's mm. happening uh, what's in it for them why it's a good thing but if they are still uncomfortable it's their job to work through that uncomfortableness mm. with it and they'll be okay mm. they can't die right yeah. um, and, and, and tolerating sometimes that our team will be unhappy that's okay if they're adults they'll work through it right if they get the yep. shit and they want to leave because of it then they're not a good fit for business that's it that's it let them go, you know, release them um, mm. and work on that team that you deserve to have. Mm. That's exactly right. No, it is. It's exactly right. I often hear people talk about, um, I think especially admin staff as well, who are at the front line of having to explain fees and fee structures and fee changes and all of that sort of stuff. And so I do understand from them at the front line, it is a stressful change process. Um, when we were discussing um, our fee structure for 2020 for my practice, um, we'd had a conversation about it and then I'd been distracted and busy with other things. And I came back, I circled back to that conversation quite a bit of time later and said, where did we get to with that discussion around fees for 2020? And my, my fabulous admin staff, Lindy and Melissa, special shout out to them said to me oh we've already done that that's all right we've already implemented that we've already set those fees so all new clients are already paying those fees <laughs> I went, oh, well done <laughs> and that's the again you know you need to educate your own staff around new clients don't know that there's been a change and if you're worried about current clients give them some you can give them you can grandfather you can give them notice you can do anything you like it's your business um but if, you're, if your team are on board with what you're doing, if they understand why you're doing it and they're on board from that perspective, they don't necessarily have to agree with it, but if they understand the business reasons why you're, you're doing what you're doing, they're more likely to feel comfortable about explaining that, um, whether it's to other team members or to clients or whoever. Um, so it's actually been quite seamless this time around, which is quite good. Yeah. yeah. Cool, the moment. Well, we've been going for quite some time. I'm very impressed. We've been busy. I know. We have been busy. So, all right. Well, 2020 is going to be very big. 
it's going to be very big for you and for me. It's going to be very big for some of our mentoring clients. It's going to be very big for lots and lots of people. So I think the, the parting message I, I think I'd like to share is for people to not get overwhelmed by that and to not let that stop them from starting. I think sometimes people go, oh, it's so big. Oh, I'm not sure if I can. And they retreat a little bit. So break it down. Break everything down into achievable steps and just take one of those steps and then take another one of those steps and then just take another one of those steps. And before you know it, you know, six months down the track, you've achieved a whole heap. 100%. And once you've actually put in the time to plan it out, that's when it becomes so much easier to every day switch it up. Because you know exactly mm. what you need to do. It takes a lot yeah. of time making a way, but that's where I find, even for myself, I tend to procrastinate. Like, well, you know, mm. what am I going to do today? I, I, you need to decide that in advance to do your plan. Yep. So that you keep yep. up. What if my diary tell me? What have I decided when I wasn't under stress and anxiety because I've got all this stuff happening? But what did I decide when I was logical and calm and aligned to my vision and my goals that I need to do today? Yeah. That's the thing that I'm going to do, right? And just take That's right. Take that one step. It's always just one step. Um, yeah, it's like that joke, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One mouthful at a time. <laughs> it's the same thing. All right, I'm going to end the podcast episode now. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on New Year's Day, the first day of 2020. We will see you again very soon. And I'm hedging there because we've yet to discuss when we're meeting up again next. The idea is weekly, but obviously holidays, there are a few things flying in the, in, a few flies in the moment. But we will see you again very soon. Join us next time.